You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and entrepreneur here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well. Sending you big hugs. Thank you if you tuned in for last week's episode on navigating the new normal with Steve. Oh, it's crazy just how much there continues to be changes in our everyday universe, right? I know it can be a lot. Um, but I'm here for you, and so all of us are. We're all here for each other. Let's all hang in there together. Um, so this week, a little bit different because I don't think I've done an episode like this before, but I was just so inspired by the topic um, and and the content that I consumed, which was recommended to me by this week's guest, that I just had to kind of do something new and do a review and analysis of a show that has rocked my world in the best way, and I am talking about a show this week called Normal People. Um, my guest this week is none other than the amazing other three-peat guest, <laughs> returning guest, Priska. So I think she's, you know, neck and neck with with Steve. But um, Priska is a singer-songwriter and the host of a podcast called Two Horny Goats with Roxy She. And Normal People, um, if you haven't watched it, just be warned, there are spoilers, but I hope that that is kind of an irrelevant thing I, I think even if I knew spoilers, I would still enjoy this show. It's on Hulu, and we travel across the world uh, to Ireland to follow the story of Connell and Marianne. And it is a coming-of-age story. It's about uh, two young people who meet as teenagers, and we follow their relationship through their 20s. And just like the heartaches and beauty of first love, of sex, of self-actualization, of mental health, it just cross and family and class and it's just such an incredible show and um i hope that you will watch it i hope that you will enjoy it and um i'm actually watching more things that i don't even enjoy just to learn from it so maybe that's even a value too it's just a different perspective but it's something that i love so deeply so if you watched it you're in for a treat and uh if you haven't watched it yet just be forewarned there are some spoilers but we want we wanted this to be a space to analyze a lot of the themes that they go into, a lot of the moments and a lot of fangirling too, but just a discussion on intimacy and a discussion on love and the way that we grow through all of these really, really difficult and beautiful times in our lives, which I think the show just captured so perfectly. I can't even, you're just going to hear me gush about this with Perska. But uh, in any case, you know, we do talk about some sensitive themes. We talk about sexuality. We talk about mental health. Um and so just be warned, if you're in a good place and ready to listen to that, we're here to talk that out with you. If you're not, take a break, because um, if you know me and my podcast, I like to go deep right out the gate. So does Priska. She's brilliant at it. And uh, we're really excited to just talk about this and share it with you. So hope that you enjoy this conversation on normal people and intimacy with Priska. Enjoy. Yeah. Came in 88, 
With a dream oh so bright eyed They knew right away Sick of swim There's no lifelines Cutting the teeth on the move Prisca, how are you doing? I'm good, Minji Thanks for having me on again Thank you for coming back You're a repeat guest, my dear Repeat, oh my gosh I feel like LeBron I don't know if he's repeated anywhere But I just feel like Some sort of athlete That's done something big So thank you I want to thank my mom My dad My sisters My husband I'll have the trophy ready for you Shortly Thank you. Um, no, I know. COVID, it's like delaying everything. I get it. I absolutely. totally get it. The engraving, all that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm literally in the process of wiping my tears right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, should we tell the people what we're watching today? What can, we're talking about? Can you? Because I need to regroup all my feelings right now. Um, oh yeah, I think gosh. it'd be a really great intro from you. Yes, we are talking about Marianne and Connell in the show Normal People based on the book by Sally Rooney by the same name and it is on the Hulu and if you need a password, we got you. Just kidding. (laughs) But it is like basically a coming of age love story, but none of it is kind of um, cookie cutter. Uh, but at the same time, you'll recognize all the feelings here. So that's what we're talking about today. Normal people. Absolutely. Well Mm. said. Well put. And in my Mm. opinion... I mean, I think the for for me, yeah. first of all, yeah. uh, this is like the best thing that I've watched. I think since Parasite, and that was oh, like a big shit. one. Oh yeah, and okay, and mind you, like contextual. I don't watch a ton, but I watch a good amount, and I've tried watching. I've started yeah. trying to watch a lot of different things, and a lot of things don't capture my fancy. They don't like. I'm like cool. They Maybe don't take I'll, you in. Yeah, it doesn't take me in. And so I need to first and foremost thank Prisca because you're the one that initially told me that, <laughs> oh, it's a show because this was last year. Yeah. And then I think I kind of like put it uh, off, put it off because <laughs> I was like, well, the book was good and I really enjoyed it. And usually yeah. shows and movies tend to wreck them. So I don't yeah. I don't want to go there. No, and that's then you true. persisted and then reintroduced it back because at various points uh, in us talking, catching up this last year, you always like reminded me. I was so like, thank you. I was Yeah, pretty much at our creative retreat, which was just a couple weeks ago. I was like, you haven't watched Normal People. I'm about to strap you to a chair and like, you know, force you force this down your throat because of everything that we were talking about and hearing more about what you've been through. I was like, this is like necessary viewing for sure. And I think like I think everyone can enjoy it, obviously, for a lot of like universal reasons. But I do feel like this is kind of like millennial emotional porn. Oh, 100 percent. You it's know, a lot of sh- different kinds of porn, but yeah, it's a lot of different types of porn. In the most beautiful sure. way. Yeah. yeah. In the way that honestly that I prefer. <laughs> yeah. And I think we had like a joke in our text thread, but like I was totally serious too. Like this is what is required to make good porn for like women or Thank like, you. you know, people that identify as women. Take notes, people, because there has been talk on, first of all, multiple times of what good porn is. Yeah. Go watch yeah. good people. And it's all about like when the penis is slipping in her reaction and like not like a fake reaction, but like a real like intake of air, you know, there we go. Yeah, it was (laughs) it was beautiful in so many ways. So in this just at at the at the top, we're going to, you know, there's all the spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet, be ready for that, because, yeah, I don't think I'm not holding back. Go back and watch. And um, so like Minji, I did want to I just like kind of rewatch the first two episodes right before we talked, because 
girl, I realized <laughs> that so much of what kind of makes it feel like falling in love, like you kind of relive the feelings of falling in love is like this sensor sensory experience. Yes. So like the sounds, all the teeny tiny exquisite heartbreaks where like when he sits next to her on the bus, like when he has these little feelings. So what are some of these that like stood out for you? Oh my God. It was like right out the gate. And this is why I, I think I fell in love pretty immediately. And that's why yeah. I think I don't fall in love with a lot of other shows. Mm. Um, this this gets on a critical artsy level, right? Of, okay. of um, why I think there's this perfect kind of formula, but there's a magic of when you can dive into a story and really believe that it's real. Mm. And when you described it before I even watched it, you said that it was like a, that there was kind of like a, a dis- disconnect or like a coldness to the book where like, yeah. yeah, you're, you're like learning the story and you're going through and learning all the motions and, and the inner monologues of what the um, characters are going through. But in this show, it was very, very lived in for right. lack of better words. And so, yeah, I think everything from cinematography to, I mean, the casting is just, let's oh just, my God. it's, it's the absolutely two actors. stinking perfect. Yeah, because like you're saying in the book, you're you're hearing their inner thoughts, but you're not really seeing how it plays out. And I feel like you're not missing any of those inner thoughts because these two actors have them painted all over their body and their faces, you know? Yes. And every little flutter of her eyelashes and every little tiny thing, like all the things that like... I feel like and this is why I often say I feel that teenagers like people going through adolescence, they should write more. And I think a lot of adults are like, you're a teen. You don't know what's going on. But in terms of emotional literacy, teenagers have them in spades. So Mm -hmm. if there are any teens listening, you should just write because your emotions are never going to be as intense. And I think what this show was able to do really successfully was bring you back to being a teenager and going through those intense feelings of if of the tiniest little moves that this other person makes they ripple and they have a huge effect on you you know what I'm talking about Minji? For sure and I was uh, so <laughs> a little context of how how my viewing went down it was like I was like live tweeting to <laughs> and texting her because I was like yes thank you for this for gift it. yes but what did it bring you back to and I I know that high school wasn't always like perfect in terms of love but like what did it take you back to oh I mean this one it's like it's a total it's the coming of age story so it's teen but like uh it just reminded me of my first love and I've had so many crushes again Mm. I have hours upon hours that I've already shared on this podcast and Mm. many more hours to share but (laughs) it it, the sensorial stuff that you're talking about Mm. just the 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 intimacy that again intimacy I think is like kind of like a blanket theme that I I take away from the show and that I want to talk about in in our conversation but like the intimacy of the cinematography of the way they did makeup the casting all that stuff they chose very real people I mean the freaking title is called normal people right and I'll just say out the gate like there's nothing that irritates me more (laughs) when you get like overly beautiful (laughs) like yeah people I just can't (laughs) stop it like that's not a normal person they're they're an alien I know that they are fully dimensional have their own experiences and thoughts and feelings but come on yeah and like the casting of this was really beautiful because they chose two really really extraordinarily beautiful people yes but I believe that they were young people that lived in this world and they didn't cover them with too much makeup or anything like it's not gossip girl girlfriend yes thank you (laughs) and like I mean, that was a fun show too. I'm not knocking that, but there was something very, very tangible and real and visceral. And like, so for me, when I saw 
Um, even when they did close-ups of Connell, okay, Ooh, I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, the biggest the lie of the show is that Marianne, like basically the main character, she or the main, you know, female character, she is supposed to be like ugly. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. LOL. Okay. First of all, she's a mix of like the best parts of Anne Hathaway met with the best parts of Winona Ryder. And so, I mean, how and, and she's Irish. So like in the show, like, you know, she has an yeah. Irish accent. So like, how is she not going to be like? perfectly hot but fine okay fine if you can suspend your disbelief you can really get into it but i think i know what you're saying close-ups of connell like his skin is not perfect he yeah, has like acne acne and like yeah. the his like little young stubble and like it was it was gorgeous i was like oh yeah. hell yeah and it made me because you're like sitting there watching and admiring at least i was like yeah. i've been taking it all in and it's very brief. It's not like they linger too long to make it like creepy. And that's that's a very smart move on term uh, on the directing and editing. Right. That they right. like let you take it in, but they don't linger too much. And then that timing is really beautiful. It makes it very like poetic. But man, yeah. it made me think of like, <laughs> just like okay, I'm just gonna get vulnerable here. But just here like go. when I liked a boy, I would just yeah. like there was one boy that I looked at when I was younger. I just like looked at his hand, and I like mm. noticed like he had a scar on his hand, and wh- I wondered what it would feel like to touch it, you know, like to hold ah! his hand. And that was yes. just like it brought me to that that feeling yes. of like oh, it feels it's so close yet so far, and like that longing, and like immediately I was like, damn, the, whoever made this, who whoever these people are. Has some feelings. They're definitely a cancer. Oh, yeah. 100%. They got cancer (laughs) in their chart somewhere. You know, you're talking about the cinematography, and I think that's what really drove those, like, little tiny details of the things that when you have a crush on somebody, you notice, like, the tiniest things about them, and you zero in on them. So the, like, shallow depth of field, um, like, you know, the super close focus really makes, like, you feel like you're the one experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And then they'll cut to, like, these kind of long shots where it's just the two of them and then it kind of shows just the two of them existing in their own world like even if there's other people like moving about it's like it cuts back and forth from this extreme closeness to this like these long shots just kind of contextualizing how intense their togetherness is but how much so like they exist in their own world together you know 100% you're the oh you're a great film critic Prisca I love this part of you I'm just I was like oh my god I gotta come to play like this has been podcast but also for our listeners this is very important and i told you this connell's chain which is the <laughs> necklace that connell that also one of the main characters wears has its own instagram account this is how hot it is and it's basically just close-up shots of the silver chain that he wears around his neck and i think like after the shooting after the the, the shooting of this i think he gifted it to her he which is like to her as oh a my rap god gift. so hot so cute it's so i'm like cute. sweating that's the hottest thing i've ever heard it's it's beautiful and i think that that's a very smart thing. i think it's something he does i think as an actor paul mescal he wears the chain yeah and it was just like a nice authentic touch that he he himself has and i think it's such a good gateway to mm. just observe it's something that, i don't know it's like this little thing this little i love details i think devil's yeah. in the detail a guy that wears a chain versus doesn't or the way that the guy i'm sorry but like i'm big into not even sh- okay it doesn't even have to be like broad shoulders but like a guy's sure. shoulders like his upper body his yeah. jawline his neck doesn't have Oof. to be all muscular and whatever but it's just the way that he carries himself yeah like, that shit is hot you oh know yeah what I mean? that like kind of like sleepy confidence oh. you know just a little and you know what this also and but you know before we move into like deeper stuff i feel like what they did really well was remind you of the magic of just making out 
yeah. like the magic of of how exciting you know what I mean because now it's like I you know I'm married and you know we're adult women and whatever you know so now it's like if you're making out like probably other stuff is going to happen but when you're a teenager and it's just it it really reminded me of the beauty of those like moments where you're all you're going to do is like make out even though they didn't end up having sex no spoilers but spoiler but like you know what I'm saying I was like oh my god each step of this um journey to actual intercourse was so intimate and and like loving and deep and I was like oh my god beauty and love are wasted on the young because I don't even think they knew (laughs) how I didn't I don't think they knew like how much so it really was love and it took growing up to like recognize it you know what I'm saying for sure for sure (sighs) I I I shared a little at the intro like the basic premise so people understand like yeah it's a coming-of-age story of two kids in high school and like the it's a journey of a, a very specific chunk of their life. But I think whatever a person has gone through in their unique life, like my first love was when I was 10 years old, oh, there wow. was still like, it still sent me there. I mean, it's a different story. But I think when stories are told really well, and really truthfully, yeah, you're like really honest about it, and you feel that tension, and you feel the longing, and you feel the fear and like, all of it, right? Yeah, and the pain, like, it doesn't matter what that story is. It's a it's a vessel for you to like relive your your moments whenever and however that may have been. Because yeah. for a lot of people, it might be older or maybe they even it's just like a great gateway. So it totally made me revisit my first love. And I'll, honestly, it kind of just really reminded me of every beginning of every person that I ever really oh my God. fell for too. Yes. Which is oh, so Minji, like what was like a, a surprisingly triggering moment for, for you kind of just to kind of dig in there just a little. Okay. I think I can't think of a moment right now, but I think it's, it was strange that I saw myself in both of them, right? Mm. Like you usually ascribe to one character more than the other, but yeah. there are certain elements about their either social status or their, um, their, their, attachment or abandonment issues because they right, both have yeah. them a oh lot you know like I, yeah. I could really relate to both of them so I guess like everything was a trigger because I really genuinely and I have the the luxury of being like you know I'm in my 30s and I have that hindsight and all that experience mm. to help but like I really felt like I understood and commiserated with a lot of everything they were going through Got so it. So even term. if they made kind of decisions that were like, mm, oh. you were like, I totally get it though. Oh yeah. I Ooh. mean, I didn't, and that felt nice to me that I, I wasn't like judging it as much, yeah. but I just, I was like, oh shit. Like that's what I kept thinking. I yes. kept like at multiple points and I kept texting you. I was like, oh my God, ah! he's doing this. But it was, it was this like feeling of like, oh shit, he's going to, oh no. Like, oh no. And then Lorraine's sh- going to have to put him straight again. Lorraine's his mom. His yeah. mom who's the one of the best characters in the whole oh, yeah. freaking show. A hundred percent. Yeah. What about I, you? I think a lot of things were kind of triggering, but I think mostly so in like their high school years, which is, is always kind of like the best part of the story because it's the most innocent and the most sweet. Um, I, I really loved their kind of like first time having sex um, because like it was a really good exercise in um, verbal consent and active consent. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of asks her like, it's okay. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, is this your first time? She asks to use a condom and he's like, Hey, if you want to stop at any point, she's like, I don't think I want to. He's like, well, at any point, if it hurts or it feels awkward, it won't be weird. Like, just tell me, you know? And I was like, wow, that is like, that is like a form of 
I think that was the most like fantastical part of this. The yeah. fact that these two characters at their age had the wherewithal and the, you know, the author I think was born in 1991. So is a little bit younger than us, but definitely is not like Gen, Gen Z. Mm-hmm. So I think including that in there was such a good model, you know, for, yeah. for younger people watching. Yeah. Um, but a uh, triggering like character for me was the blonde chick that he ended up taking to the Deb or to Ooh, the, to the Brom. Yeah. Why? Like, it was like super triggering for some reason, because I felt like in high school, I definitely had my moments of being a Marianne, mm. but I was never that sexually brazen because, you know, I grew up, you know, my dad was a pastor and I grew up in the church. So I had a lot of like sexual hangups. Yeah. So just seeing her kind of be really sexually brazen was like, wow, she's like fearless because I did not have that. But I did feel like the Marianne where like, I did have men or boys, I guess at the time, right. Mm-hmm. I had boys who we would have these almost like secret AIM talks or like they would be really nice to me in the class we were in. And we had these like really high chemistry moments, oh. but it was only relegated to very specific moments in time or certain settings. Like there was this cute guy at my like after school tutoring and I wasn't smart. So he wasn't just using me for like, you know, answers, but he, but, but we like got along and like had inside jokes and all these things. But then it was like the second we were at school, he wouldn't talk to me or acknowledge me or look at me. And I think that's why the Marianne kind of blonde girl dynamic really hit me hard because I remember being like Marianne kind of um, being, I'm stronger than this. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't phase me, but internally you're like devastated and it has a long lasting effect on your, um, you know, self perspective. And I, I know I'm getting like, honest when I say like a lot because it's like hard to get out you know what I mean I'm I like, like. You. no it's Prisca <laughs> I'm your safe haven you thank you for sharing that that is and that's and I think for for me what I what is so sacred about those moments and why it's so terrifying to revisit sometimes yeah yeah is the impact that it makes and that's like I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be real. Like those, I saw those moments as a grown ass woman after everything that I've been through and after all of the storms I've weathered and learned and everything like that, there's parts of me that still feel very connected to that, those Mm. wounds and those insecurities. Those are not easy to just like bounce back from. And I, I like, it's not a condescending judgment on humanity, but there's a lot of people with those same exact issues walking around. Like the, 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 cliches like high school never ends is because we still are like just a bag of emotions and hormones yeah. and unhealed we're all just and kids stuff. underneath you know yeah, we're all just hurting that's um, so from yeah and i okay so i do want to talk about intimacy but i do want to like talk about something kind of interesting about these two characters and um it's the power exchange over mm-hmm. the course of the series mm-hmm. um so basically again spoilers but she goes from being in a socially weaker position when they're in high school yeah. and then they kind of swap positions in college where um she being very like strong of mind in high school was not was not good because she stood out too much, but that ended up being really positive in college. And conversely for Connell in high school, he just kind of blended in, did whatever was cool, was kind of like, you know, never really had an opinion. But then when he got to college, that became the weaker position to be in. Right. Um, so how did you feel about those power dynamic shifts throughout the the series? I think that it was, I thought it was brilliantly done because I think that mm. those are very real struggles that everyday human normal people go through, right? That yeah. there are some people 
that in their own, for whatever reasons, be it looks or just like the people that you happen to go to elementary school with, there's a lot of people that do like peak in high school, you know what I mean? Mm. And it is not even something that you elected or had to earn. It's just kind of like by sheer luck or who your neighbor was or whatever, what sport you happen to play, that you're given like a status that's kind of bestowed on you and you just assume it and it becomes an identity. And then that's a very rude awakening when you leave the confines of high school or middle school or whatever. And like you kind of graduate out of that and people evolve and change and mature. And you find in that different context, like, oh, all of a sudden you're not able to create a a relationship you're not able to get everybody to think you're like the best or funniest or whatever right like suddenly something you thought was like your social currency is now really juvenile and laughable to other people and it that's a very real experience and I thought that they 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 did it in like I guess just what I've seen with other like teen shows or movies or like you know Mm -hmm. the the teen movies that we grew up with in the 90s and 2000s it's like those shifts are very like obviously done and it's fine it's like a teen movie so it's not i'm not i'm not gonna get mad about that but i thought they did it very seamlessly like there's this like transition that all of a sudden you don't even notice it and you kind of expect him to be able to hang in college and then when you see that he's really struggling you're like oh shit yeah it's very subtle but it's very you can feel it and you can then when like fast forward spoiler but when he kind of has this like really struggling problem with anxiety and just you can you he earned it because it's like you saw that decline you know it was absolutely it was was such a good depiction of anxiety and and depression you know it was a a really just like when he's having a panic attack I'm like wow that is so relatable you know we we've all been there we've all felt that in in some way shape or form Mm -hmm. um and and you're right it was earned and it happened over time and it was also interesting to see a slow dissolving of his self-worth in a lot of ways and then having to rebuild that with like not despite the anxiety but with the anxiety you know and that was like super intense in a lot of ways um and and so yeah I I felt like it was interesting that you know, they also have this like socioeconomic difference. Like yes. his mother is the house cleaner of her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in an, in itself is another power exchange, like a power shift, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they messed with a lot, not mess with, they, they approached a lot of very, very deep things. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm saying this again from like a, a filmmaker. Say, I'm like just in awe and I want to – I'm taking notes. I'm like studying it because <laughs> yes. they they don't go – they're not heavy-handed with it. That's why I yeah. just think they did it so well because the issue itself is deep and dark and tough enough. They don't right. need to like m- be melodramatic about anything. And I do like that every freaking – okay, for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, what are you doing? Like go watch it. Go um, watch it, yeah. <laughs> it, they're half-hour show. They're half-hour episodes. There's 12 episodes. So, you know, can you watch it, knock it out in six hours. And I totally yeah. did. And Easy. Like, done and done. Yeah. Um, but like they really kind of just – they don't over-explain anything. No. They literally drop you into parts of their lives. And you as a very smart viewer and somebody who is around other normal people that live normal lives and deal with class and money and anxiety and love and sex and all that we fill in the gaps really well you know I felt it was very easy to understand the dynamic with very little information right and you can just see that yeah and I it it is funny because if you go on the subreddit or if you go on like the meme accounts about normal people half of the memes are about how these are the two worst communicators in the world Uh like not in terms of like their emotions but in terms of like just using their fucking words like the summer where he was like maybe I can move in with her and she was like wait what do you want and he was like wait what do you want wait never mind 
Oh my god, destructive. Destruction. That, that hurt me so bad to watch. I was oh my god. Yeah, but they I think I think that this series will also make you realize the importance of communicating with your partner or partners. Yes, I agree. Cuz you got to just spit it out. And I, and you if the more afraid you are to just fucking say it, the more, you know, you're going to end up just being broken up for no reason well it's crazy because okay i'll say i'll get a little vulnerable with like my communication yeah. like people <laughs> if you listen to first mm. of all mm. i can i can talk <laughs> yeah and i have words sometimes um but i definitely that scene that that scene in particular really kind of fucked me up because yeah. um i have definitely done that even Ooh. with saying things very clearly quote unquote and wow. what i think is so beautiful about what that said about human relationships and about intimacy is that mm. even if so say that there's for them it was like a complete lack of words right they couldn't mm. get it out and i felt their struggle and it hurt right yeah and i'm a very verbose person like i can give me like a thousand words i'll use them all up you know i'm that kind of person <laughs> yeah. i'm aware but even with somebody that has so many words to say it still was hard for me to communicate exactly mm. what i meant at the time that I felt it and, and having that, here's the thing, expressing it is one thing, but literally what, oh, this is such a spoiler. Should I just spoil it? Chris? Yeah. Yeah. They literally go back and replay that one conversation and you literally hear how the each, how each other heard it differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it like, it is so telling of all human it's relationships. Like the blue and black dress and the white and yes, gold dress. Like literally you. it's the same dress, but they saw it completely, completely differently. Right. And, and you were can, both injured by it. You you literally interpret things the way that your brain and your every past trauma and all the insecurities that have made you who you are at that moment hears it. It doesn't yeah. matter sometimes what that other person says. It's no. not good. It doesn't register in your mind. That's what I think was so perfect about this show. Is yeah. they're, they're two very specific, real, in my opinion, very real people that have their mess of past. He grew up without a father with a teen mom, right? Yeah. Mess yeah. of stuff. But she's a loving mother. She grew up with a fucking abusive father, which that that part like really hurt and, you know, yeah. like and triggered me too. And then like having just a cruel family. Very cruel. I, I did want to ask you, I mean, that's one of the questions I kind of had written down is mm -hmm. how did you feel about the depiction of abuse, both physical and emotional? <sighs> It's, it's, it's a very real thing that like, when you live through mm. a complicated family, you have to find ways to survive it. And you still maintain love for people mm -hmm. that may hurt you a lot. And I thought they did it. Okay, I don't know what it's like to have a brother that mean. My brother and I have fought. I'm not, it was not roses, with, but like that brother, oh my God, he was just. But he was cruel. He was a monster. He was cruel. And I have experience with like a lot of, um, not, not not even like, there's so many different forms of abuse that people can live through and, and then give on others, do to others because you've yeah. experienced it. But like that emotional, psychological abuse is that it's very, very, very debilitating and like mm. i thought it was i thought it was well made and for lack of better words i thought they they made it well and depicted it well because they could have gotten a little bit more heavy-handed i'm glad that they didn't because yeah. the effects of what her family has done to her psyche and her sense of self-worth and the way that she tries to bandage it up and self-medicate by finding it in other people 
how she yeah. guards herself so much to be this like, you know, obnoxious, mm-hmm. cold person. Um, I related with that a lot. I know I'm not exactly the same personality type as her, but I've definitely used the same defense mechanisms as her. Yeah. And I thought it was, it was really painful. And like that stuff that, again, it's not fun to see, but I think people can find a lot of catharsis watching. Um, and it was truly terrifying. And I think like a really, like you're saying, like there's so much nuance because there's this moment where it is the most terrifying moment with her brother. Like he's just being completely awful and terrifying. But it's also a moment in which she emotionally uses Connell. Mm -hmm. So it's like no one in that moment is fully innocent. Yes. You know, and and that's how life is sometimes, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times. Like if (laughs) if we peel back the layers, which some people overdo and sometimes do and sometimes avoid like like all hell like um yeah. and no judgment on any of those I've done all of them so yeah um but yeah I think you hit you hit it on the head it's it's we we lean on others so where's the line right and like when do right. when do we lean on others and receive their love and support so that we can survive these terrible things mm. and when do we use them as a crutch and when do yeah. we lose ourselves in other people and in relationships and in like self-preservation mode, like right. that's, it's not easy. Like, yeah, I, I was just curious, like what you felt about that, the family comparison with her, her family and her, cause we were both fans of Lorraine. We love yeah. Connell's mom, but Huge like how you felt about how you felt about the, that juxtaposition. Cause they're, they're just like, so polar opposite. Yeah. But imperfect I mean, in their ways. Right. I think it's definitely one of those situations where, um, you know, Marianne, they live in a house and it's a huge house and it's beautiful. And there are these huge windows and big doors and her mother's clearly like very successful. Um, and so for all kind of external purposes, it looks like her life is is really good. And Connell lives in, you know, just kind of a crappy townhome type thing, which, you know, which wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Like they kept it up nice. But I think he had a mother that was very present and was constantly there for him in terms of guiding his emotions and his actions, but really left him accountable for his own actions, which I really appreciated. So I think, yeah, that juxtaposition was really interesting because her mother was so cold. And I guess, like you said, like had survived her own form of of abuse and escaped her own abuse. um, And it left her, forever changed Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um and so maybe it was subconsciously to protect her daughter by making her stronger yeah um but it was really devastating because the mother turned a blind eye to the brother's abusive behavior right and i thought that that was just truly awful and i think it was interesting this this secondary dynamic of Connell treated Marianne really terribly in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and one of, you know, one of the thoughts I had was, well, did he really deserve a second chance? Mm. And was her kind of giving him a second chance and kind of taking him under her wing and taking him back? Was that part of her being attracted to the things that hurt her? Mm-hmm. You know, was that somehow tied? Like, and, and so later on, I feel that she was emotionally cruel to Connell in her own way mm-hmm. like not I'm not trying to like blame her but it was interesting because there was some sort of parallel between 
you know, how her brother was to her and how she ended up being to Connell emotionally, not physically, obviously. Absolutely. That's, and that's, that's why part, I think, um, why it wrecked me so much and why I connected and appreciated it so much. There's something yeah. about, um, watching someone else truthfully go through a lot of the similar pains that you have gone through as a person mm. that is, mm-hmm. it is very healing and it's a very, just, I cried quite a bit watching it yeah. and yeah. I ached and I hurt and I, appreciate I felt grateful that I was like oh yeah. they, they're get they get it <laughs> you know and yeah um there's a lot I think of objectivity that comes with seeing something outside of yourself because when it's your mm. life and for me I've blamed myself a lot because full disclosure like I I've been in a lot of different kinds of relationships and mm. a lot of them have very questionable and how healthy they were some of them were very very unhealthy and really painful to go through and but they were all lessons, right? And at the end of the day, I would like to think because I'm working on this self-love and self-care that I'm yeah. not a shit person. But it's hard to do that when you take stock of everything that you've done and when you've seen like, not only you've seen the ugliest parts of yourself, but you've exposed the ugliest parts of yourself to somebody else. And that's the mm. that's when it comes to the intimacy part. Like that's when somebody really sees you and they really know you. Yeah. Um, that's what I think intimacy equates to is vulnerability and like letting somebody into the deepest feelings and the deepest thoughts that you have that govern your actions that are so ugly and so shameful sometimes Mm. and just like letting somebody in even against your will sometimes because like there's something magnetic about the two of them and I do think that you know there's words for them now that we didn't use before like trauma bonding nobody said that shit when we're teenagers yeah yeah yeah. it just felt good so you did it right and why are we attracted to the things that we're attracted to and what are the lessons that we're supposed to learn and why is it so freaking hard to let go of something that can be so damaging and so destructive but feels so uh comforting in a weird way it's because yeah we normalize trauma and we normalize these bad horrible relationships and things that we've been kind of programmed to believe about ourselves. You just keep Mm. attracting things and situations that keep reinforcing that shit until you learn or sometimes hurt out of it. It's I I, like, I don't even want to put it that way that we're all going to just have to suffer our way out of, of, out of that. (laughs) But sometimes that's, I don't know. Like when I look back on some of my stuff, I don't know how you look at your past relationship, Priska, but Hmm. like, I feel that like, I just kind of had to keep going through some of the same lessons many times until I got it, you know? I mean, I guess now, like where we are, which is like in our, in our thirties, 30 flirty and thriving, you know what I'm saying? But what does healthy intimacy look like? So it's like, I still think that intimacy doesn't mean that there are no boundaries. Yes. And so what does intimacy look like and feel like, like you're saying you had to make these mistakes over and over until you kind of found it, um, which, you know, the Olympics are going on. So it just kind of reminds me of like the high jump, like you keep jumping until you clear the bar, you know? Mm. So where for you does, does what for you does intimacy look like now? Healthy intimacy. (sighs) Good question. I'm going to, I'm going to give you that question right back. So I hope you're ready. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting. I watched a YouTube video today from this Mm. channel that I highly recommend to anybody. It's called Crappy Childhood Fairy. She's a therapist Mm. and she's phenomenal. And randomly she showed up in my feed and it was literally uh, titled what it feels like when you heal, what it feels like when you heal and change your self-defeating behaviors. Like Mm. what does that look like? What is being a healthy functioning adult who's 
going to have healthy functioning relationships look like? And it was, I was like, I've watched so many different therapy videos, but I've never seen something like this where like, how do you know you're getting there? Um, and it was really interesting. I really recommend it. I'll share it on my blog somewhere. It'll be up. Yes. Um, But I think it's, uh, for me when I did the inner child trauma hypnotherapy thing that I did last February, made a whole podcast thing about it. When I learned that loving myself, that whole, like, you have to love yourself first before you can love others. Mm. What that actually looked like in terms of behavior and what that felt like. Mm -hmm. And what I realized that I didn't, I think I fixated so much on like the feeling worthy and the feeling validated, which I Mm. think is really important. Mm. But I actually think further foundational than that is feeling safe. Yeah. And so for me, having healthy intimacy means that I am, properly protecting myself, maybe in certain ways that my parents did or did not do for me as a young Hmm. person or other people that came into my life and further lifted me up or dragged me down or whatever, right? Left their mark. Um, Learning how to protect myself was huge for me. And that's, so when I think of healthy intimacy, it means being able, for me as a person, being able to say no that is the mm. biggest thing that I struggled with until literally today, still struggling with it. Yeah. But saying no and knowing how to calibrate my own feelings and not overextending myself, not overgiving out of guilt or just like this. Like it just was so clear when Marianne was like losing herself. She lost herself. And I yeah. connected with that so deeply and it fucking hurt, dude. Like I. I love what you're saying, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I, I, well, I remember we had a conversation where you were like, there were so many relationships where I just moved really quickly. Oh, and it was yeah. like, get the U-Haul truck out, you know? But I think what you're saying is like, actual intimacy is allowed to be earned. Yeah. And it, you don't have to be okay with everyone storming in your castle right away, you know? And, and in fact, like the ability to say no is such an important part of intimacy because then it creates, it's like you cannot have something without it not being. So it's like, it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't have everything be special. You need some things to be special, which means there are things that are not, are not special. special. So and true. so it's like the same with intimacy. Like you need, like to not have someone enter that space in order to make it an important space to be entered, you know? And this is not like just from a sexual perspective, although obviously there, you know, there exists that, you know, area, Mm -hmm. but this is more so just we're speaking like emotionally, the ability to be intimate and vulnerable with somebody. And I think as you were talking and saying those things, I, I was realizing, yeah, it requires a tenderness towards self. Yeah. Because if you can't accept yourself, then either you're sharing things from like almost an informational point of view or an angry point of view, but you're not sharing this just walls down as you are self. Yeah. It's unless you're able to, yeah, unless you're able to love and be tender with yourself and accept yourself, that's the only way you can invite intimacy into your life, which is so interesting because trauma bonding is kind of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look at your hurt. It matches my hurt. Let's match them together. But it has nothing to do with actual 
um, tenderness towards self and healing of self and acceptance of self so that you can invite someone else into your life so that when someone else is having problems, you can actually listen and be there for them because you are on a path and a journey to like healing yourself right. that is not intertwined and mixed up with this other entity, but it's done and it's on its own journey. Um, and, and I think that literally just requires like time and maturity and, and doing the quote unquote work and the experience. Like that's, I think there's yeah. something I really appreciate everything that you said. I, I echo. And I think that it's, it's funny though, that the irony of that is, is fucking up is, is going through experiences. Mm. I, I, I say that with a grain of salt. Cause I'm not, I'm not encouraging everybody to just like throw all caution to the wind and go make all the mistakes. Cause that's like not intentional to go like, nobody's trying sure. to go up like make all the mistakes so that you can, you can figure it all out. It's not how it works. You know, you do things in the earnest effort of like, Hey, I really care about this person. I want to get to know with the full acknowledgement of like, it may not turn out the way that I thought or hoped, or this may leave a few scars. And often they do. And I, I, I've been hearing interesting things just from like a, when people do their uh, generation analyses of like Hmm. Gen Mm -hmm. Z and millennials and all that stuff, that there are a lot of fears around intimacy because I, and Mm. I make sense. I think it's perfectly reasonable because we've seen so much like fallout from people who have handled it poorly. But that being said, like from somebody that's fumbled her way through many different intimate situations, like it comes back to like what I found so beautiful, beautiful about the show is that like mm. there is no better teacher. There's no more brutal or beautiful yeah. teacher than just than going experience. through it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. It's never going to look perfect because we're all fucking human and we are imperfect. And so no matter how you slice it, there's no you know, there's no bullseye here. Right. There, there's no like kind of center goal to hit. Yeah. Um, you just have to kind of create what it is between you and either one partner or many partners, whatever it is, like however you want intimacy in your life, like you, you just have to like, like Minji's saying, like, just go through it. What were your, what were some of your like favorite moments that really kind of warmed your heart that like showed you, wow, they really, this is, this is a beautiful expression of, of love or something that you wanted to hang on to and like curl up. And I'm curious. Ooh, I think it was, all the little tiny moments. Mm. Um, but actually, I think what really struck me is that, and although this is kind of part of the conflict in the show or the tension in the show, is neither of them ever actually tried to own each other or cling to each other. Like, yeah, there was that moment where, you know, he's kind of going through his mental health kind of breakdown mm-hmm. and um oh when she stays on the phone with him the all Skype. night oh God. that was i definitely you know i don't know if that's i don't know if that's something i would like recommend in a prescriptive way but when you are that person for someone and you do have those moments it is so beautiful and rewarding not in a like oh look at me kind of way but just in a okay, like I have your back, like Mm -hmm. I've got you. Um, And I felt that that moment was really beautiful, but it still wasn't about ownership. Mm -hmm. And again, I think actions like that can be weaponized into demanding ownership or demanding attention. Um, So again, I'm not saying it's prescriptive, but I think in that moment, I I really saw and valued their friendship 
above all because, um, you know, they have a sexual relationship on and off, like truly on and truly off throughout the series. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that was really beautiful to me that they, they, cause I think we grew up in an age where it's like, Oh, once you sleep together, like you can't ever truly be friends. And like a lot of people would say when men and women can never really be friends because there's always going to be sexual tension. And I think this directly kind of walks against that or breaks apart the nuances where it's like, you can't generalize that into one statement, but looking at the two of them and looking the, at the depth of their friendship and recognizing for, for the viewer, the, the validity of just the pure love that existed between them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that really, that's what I walked away with. And, and, and it's also, that was super frustrating because it's like, you fucking love each other, you dumbasses. <laughs> but you know, say I, <laughs> just say it, but just, I marry it right the, now. <laughs> just marry her. Yeah. Just propose. Don't go to New York. Like what the fuck, you know? Yeah. But like, you know, I, I, I appreciated that, that there was never any rush. Yeah. And there was always this calmness or as they would say, cam, um, <laughs> there's always this calmness and this like, trust in each other Mm -hmm. yeah how about you what was the thing that you're gonna like walk away with see this is where it does get a little bit tricky of like oh is it uh would I prescribe it to somebody else but there's something that I really appreciated Mm -hmm. I love the Skype moment I love the little moments the when he um finally touched her you know like (laughs) when he finally put his arm around her in public Uh, at the the pool party when he kissed her ah Died. I died. died. A million times I'm I died. Deceased. Um, but there's, I, I really, it's just something that I've struggled with or have felt in terms of like, I wanted somebody to like protect me and really look out mm. for me. So, yeah. okay, sorry, spoiler, but you know, in, towards the end when, um, you know, he picks her up from her house and he tells her yeah. brother that he's going to kill him. Like, yeah, I yeah. was like, fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, it was objectively hot. Like just, it was hot. Yeah. And it's not even the what you guys like. This is this. If there's any takeaway from the from Minji's ranting zone on, first of all, <laughs> it's not just about what it's about how it's how yeah. he did it. It is how he executed it wasn't an ego thing it wasn't a maniacal testosterone right. thing it was yes. love it was like i am going to protect the woman that i love and he didn't yeah. overdo it but he made his message clear yeah that shit yeah, was yeah, yeah. it was it it like dismantled me it like right it wasn't like a weird patriarchal thing no. like i own her so you can't touch her type of thing like only i get to abuse her type of shit yeah. but it was just like like setting boundaries yeah it that's what it was about in that moment and then when he talked to her in the car and he said i'm never gonna let anybody do that to you again like i believed him do you know what i mean and 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 of all the words that he couldn't say to her in the many years that they'd been together known each other that those words came out so clear the clarity that he like that was him in a beautiful way in my opinion like claiming his woman like you're mine. Like, I got your back. I love you. I really got your back. Yeah, I yeah. got your back. You are safe yeah. with me. I will never yeah. fucking hurt you myself or let anybody else do that. Ugh. That was like, I'm sorry, but like that feeling that you get from your partner or anybody, a friend, of a, a yeah. person, a stranger, like when they show up for you and they, yeah. in their way, let you know that and let you feel that, that to me is like, it's everything. It's so beautiful. It transcends like there are a lot of problematic things like yeah he cannot she also has to save herself we're not taking away yeah. from that and she did no she no does. she's not a damsel in it like really she's not but no. yeah i see i i get what you're saying in terms of like 
I feel like even in psychology, it's like certain types of role playing can be so healing yeah. because it it kind of shows that at certain points in your life, like you didn't receive that. And so you do crave that. So even though, like you said, it's not prescriptive, there was something so beautiful about it, you know, yeah. and something so kind and something that wasn't terrifying, yeah. you know. It's, it's crazy how those, that, that kind of, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's a violent scene, but it's to me weirdly had so much love in it. Not weirdly, in my opinion, had so much love present um, in terms of how we will fight for one another and protect each other and look out for one another's well-being with no regard to self. Like it's a very, in in a beautiful way and not in like a twisted way, but like it's a, a sacrifice of self in service of another. And I think that that because he cares for her and appreciates her friendship and what she's been for him and his lifeline yeah. that he's willing to do that without a thought in his mind is just right. gorgeous. And I think um, that that's something that, uh, you know, we, we can gain out of, out of taking these risks. They did not go through easy paths to get to that point. No. You know what I mean? And it, it kind of reminds me, you know, obviously like sex and romance aside, it kind of reminds me when you have that best friend and, they can watch your family fight. They can see, you know, they, you let them, it's another form of intimacy because you can let your guard down and you don't have to have this like perfect facade in front of them. And they're also not judging, but they can also recognize when something's wrong. Like that seemed like that moment for me where it's like, okay, like he's literally like family, you know, like he's family. And he, it's like when he says that and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you if you do anything. It's like, you know, this is a guy like he's known for years. They're part of the same town. They're part of the same community. So it's not just like, fuck you, you know, but it's, it's literally like, yo, like I've seen, I've been led into this family, like, and I'm, I'm setting a boundary here because that's intimacy. That's part of intimacy, you know? Yeah. I'm so glad we, I'm so glad we got to like process because there is so much, like, I feel like we unpacked during this conversation that, I think I had sitting in the back of my mind somewhere, but didn't quite know how to touch on. <laughs> well, I can, okay. What I know, and I know you're a busy woman. Person. I'm so glad I got to no. talk about this with you. And I, whenever I see you next, I'm going to continue this conversation. Just oh, like, you know. hell yeah. We should have like an annual viewing party. <laughs> I tried to get Kevin Fong to watch it. I don't know if he has, but I mean, I think everybody needs to watch it. I think it's necessary viewing and beautiful. make all the, if you're a meme maker, make all the memes about it because it is, it, it deserves all the memes. I mean, we haven't even talked about all the guys, other guys that she dates and the girl that he dates. Like there, there's so many other parts. Again, they, they fit so much into, yeah. you know, relatively short series and also want to note, like, I mean, and I would love to hear your, your, your like, final takeaways for yeah. this conversation yeah but i also really want to note like when connell goes to therapy i cannot like that has nothing to do with like it has nothing and everything to do with their relationship it is yeah. the beauty of like what what a person can and must do for themselves to right. to care for themselves and him breaking down in front of a therapist like First of all, Paul Mescal, you are like, can you get all the awards? That scene was just so oh, yeah. beautifully, artfully, gorgeously, honestly done. I cannot. And that was enough. the hottest he ever was, I have to say, you know, and I think, you know, when I, you know, so my my husband, his name is Abe, he suffers from depression. And one of the things that really was so heartening to me when we met and we were first dating because I definitely have like a savior complex. And Mm -hmm. I think he went through that, through that as well. And I definitely have like, I can fix you. I love you. Even, even if you're broken type of complex, 
But basically what he told you told me when we first started dating was like, I'm responsible for my mental health. Wow. You know, and I'm responsible for the upkeep of it. Um, so at the time he was like in therapy, he had a spiritual director, like he was in in a master's program where he was becoming a spiritual director, which is kind of um, like a type of therapist. Um, and so all of that was really attractive to <sighs> me because it kind of alleviated me from having to constantly be concerned you know like you know my ex would like emotionally manipulate me by faking suicide and and getting me all riled up and kicking down the door of his room and you know all this and he was like what you're like gaslight me you know and so to go from that to someone who was like my emotional health yes thank you for walking with me and supporting me but at the end of the day the upkeep it it has to come from me, you know? And I think that's totally what they were able to depict through Paul and, or, you know, through, um, Connell, Connell's character. Um, just him, even though he was reluctant at first, like him letting himself go there and breaking down and being like, again, tender with himself in the end and finding, you know, validation for for a lot of the the internal fears and insecurities he had and being tender with himself and and finding vulnerability to himself and that then aided in him and Marianne being able to basically start up again as adults in a different way it was I thought it was just again so beautifully subtly done it cost him like everything to be in that chair and we know that because we saw even just from the snippets that we saw prior we saw him have meltdowns and panic attacks and his his uh perceived self that he put out in front of other people in front of his friends when he's all like you know hamming it up and asking blonde chick to (laughs) to rachel to the devs versus like being this lost little boy who has all these issues that every single person has you felt what it cost him and that's the true and that's a sucky, scary part. I think that part that terrifies everybody of facing the self and facing all those those shitty feelings. It costs yeah. you everything. But at the the poetic, beautiful side that I I can like my testimonial, like <laughs> I will say, it gives you everything. It will cost yeah. you everything. But it is that's where like I sound so preachy now, but that's no. where like you can fucking show up. Like you can. Yep. You are a fraction of your true self because you're just so busy managing all this shit that you're trying to stuff away. You know what I mean? Yeah, and agreed. it's not an easy thing. And oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm just like in awe of your husband. And like, Oh, no. I, you know, yeah. I, I'm not I, surprised. I, I, <laughs> yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, I think when we were talking about safety, like sometimes if people fuck with me, I'm like, I'm not even mad at you. I'm just worried about you because my husband going to kill you. Like <laughs> he's like, actually, he's actually going to kill you. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do for you, bro, but you should be nicer to me because I'm worried about you. Yeah. Like, you know? oh, oh, I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> really. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it goes a little like overboard, but it, it, you know, that love and that protectiveness and that not protectiveness, but the, but safety. Yeah. You know, yeah. that safety is really is really beautiful and 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 is really needed. Yeah. And I would say the one thing I would caution against and the one thing like in terms of the way they depicted it was kind of her kind of like her interest in S&M or, you know, you know, being like trying to tie her interest in kink of some form to um her trauma yeah and i think that's like kind of a slippery slope it is you know, a slippery because, slope i agree yeah there, like you can be interested in snm and not, and not have, have yeah rely on trauma to go through it because in fact with snm i think 
you shouldn't be actively reliving trauma. Like that's part of boundaries and that's part of consent, you know? So I, I think that was kind of an in a, a, an unhealthy approach to that kind of kink. Um, so that's the one little thing that I'm like, I get it, but that could be very unhealthy if someone tried to like model their life. after. I think that, I know? agree. And I think, but, and there's, there's why it's a slippery slope is because I think it does exist in that way. And there's also ways yeah. it exists without that at all. What we're saying is that sometimes people do, relive version or portions or like aspects of their trauma in their sexual right. lives. I- I'll yeah. just be real. Like I have, and like there's mm-hmm. things that you again, repeat because you're just in the subconscious way, not because you're intentionally out seeking it, but right. it, it rears its ugly head in a lot of different scenarios. And sex can be one of those things because that, that intimacy part is connected in all these ways that again, we've had the luxury of psychology and psychiatry to and childhood therapy and all that stuff to reveal over all these years yeah. that we didn't have available to us before. So this is still like, these are newer conversations. Why I'm so happy I'm having this with you yeah. on this night, yeah. Priska, because I, I personally don't sit around talking to just anybody about this kind of stuff. I feel so safe and comfortable with you. And I feel so lucky that you Same. and I can talk about it openly and share it with whoever cares to tune in. Um, because yeah. not everybody's wanting to hear it, is ready to hear it. And it is a slippery slope. There's no like right or wrong answer. Um, yeah. But I'm glad, I'm really thankful that you bring that up and you point that out because there's a lot of um, misunderstandings and stigmas that we put on different sexual expressions in yes. order to like justify or rationalize everything. And not everything goes to those exact, they might be correlated, doesn't mean it's caused, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a difference yes. between like being related or in near proximity of each other and being directly caused by that. And we don't want to mix that up. Unnecessary. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And uh, like a lot of what we said, it's like it's not prescriptive, but it is what happened in the show. It's what the character experienced. But so we just want to caution against it being prescriptive, but it doesn't mean it was bad that it happened in the show. So, yeah, it's like kind of a like a tricky, tricky conversation. But I, I, I guess I would also like at the end of the show as painful as that final conversation is <sighs> I'm gonna cry again <laughs> i was like actually like you know what like i don't know if this is like growth on my end <laughs> but i was like if they don't end up together i'm okay with that because like their journey together is so beautiful so it's like if it continued great but also like it doesn't take away from anything yes. that they've already gone through oh agree you know? i agree and it hurt because you're but like it also leaves you with hope. And I thought it's like it was yeah. t- torture. <laughs> but torture. But it was really, yeah, I agree with you. And and, and so and, go watch normal people, y'all. I hope that y'all appreciate it. And um even with the spo- honestly, even if I heard spoilers, I'd still really like it and appreciate it. Um agreed. Because yeah. you watched it twice. So in preparation for this episode, Minji has gone through it twice. So that's how good it is. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to watch it again. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I'm saying because I want to study it too as a filmmaker and as an actor, as an artist. I I am I am learning something because, you know, first time you watch something, it's different. And it's like, but you just keep learning from it. And also mm-hmm. I'll say that like once people go through things, there's movies now from like the 80s that I'm watching for the first time because it just wouldn't have made sense for me to watch it back then. Huh. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, well, let's revisit this in 10 years. We will. <laughs> Dude, I'm excited. And thank you, Priska, for sharing your brilliance. Like, I cannot imagine anybody better in the entire universe ah! to, like, process this. <laughs> and it's you. only fitting that you're the one who, like, told me to watch it. 
Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me on. It's always great to be, you know, a three P first of all guest. Yeah. It's uh I'm I'm waiting for my trophy. I already made t shirts. I called my parents, like, you know, Oprah Oprah's interviewing me in the morning. One hundred percent. And then I'll show up with an air <laughs> horn and be like Yes. <laughs> no, I mean it's you and Oprah. You, Oprah and Gail interviewing the three P guest on first of all. Like you are the center of that. With, so sorry, just, we have to do this. I know it's just gonna come out later, but congratulations on one year of two horny goats. Thank like you. Freaking incredible. Incredible. Ugh, you and I, we need to have, and I know we're going to do a two horny goats and first of all, collab yes. later, later in the year. But what we really have to like have a conversation about just like podcasting and the format and what it has done for us. Yes. You know, I would love to have that 100%. deeper conversation with you, but until then, Until then, I love you. We'll leave them wanting more, hopefully. Um, yeah, I love <laughs> you so much, Prisca. And uh, do you really quickly want to plug where can people find your podcast oh, and all that stuff? Sure. So I co-host a podcast with my friend and um, lover, Roxy She. Um, you can find us at Two Horny Goats on all the socials. And that's um, T-W-O, not two like the number. And you can find us at um, twohornygoats.com. And if you're curious or want to work with us in whatever capacity, you can email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. And I'm Priska. Um, you know. And also we're gonna play me. some of your music at the end. Oh, okay, cool. So we'll close out with Priska in all her glory. It'll be amazing. But thank you again. Awesome. I love you so much. Have an amazing day, night, week, year. We'll talk again soon, <laughs> I know. But I thank love you. you thank you. I love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All, talking about normal people and intimacy with Prisca, normal people the show, and normal people because they're all of us, you know? Um, I don't know about you, but I just, that was one of my favorite conversations. This honestly will be one of my favorite episodes of uh, First of All to date. I don't even remember half of what I said, but it was just just such a good uh, release of all the love and thought and passion that I felt from watching the show. So I hope that you enjoyed that. And um, yeah, the conversation will continue. Please keep in mind that everything that we said was, you know, uh, not a hot take. We've had some time to think about it, but we're learning as we go to. These are conversations that continue to evolve as Prisca and I change as people. And that's just our our commentary as of right now. Um if you have thoughts on it, I would love to hear it. Please feel free to email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. I know we talked on some really sensitive subjects and um, deep topics that people feel intensely about. So I'm really curious how that resonated. If you are a fan of the show too, like anything, I uh, would love to hear from you. So feel free to email me. Um, and you can also follow along on the First of All journey at First of All Pod on Instagram, my journey at Minjeezy and there we will share more thoughts and feelings about everything that we have loved. Not only about the show, which I'll keep gushing about forever, but a lot of other things. And um, please stay to the end because we're featuring some gorgeous music from Abe, her husband, who I just found out goes by Aber Beats. I didn't even know that was his musician name, but oh my God, uh, you're in for a treat. So stick around to the end. In the meantime, I have to thank Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. I have to thank Juliana Deer, who handles my marketing, and our new producer to the First of All team, which is so exciting, my friend Anna Sun, who is, we're expanding, guys. This is growing, and it's uh, helping me grow as a host, as a, as an artist and content creator. I'm just so excited that Anna's joined us. And so, yeah, this is her first episode that she is co-producing. So thank you, Anna, and excited to have you on the team. 
And if you'd like to support, first of all, you can become a patron on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast and become a financial backer on an ongoing basis. I'm grateful, so, so grateful um, for all the support. And uh, it's great to have you along. This week's Patreon shout-out is to my girl, Ada Sang. Ada, thank you for believing in the podcast and supporting me along this crazy journey um, for your feedback and for just being an amazing writer and uh, contributor to the conversation yourself. So Ada is the co-host of the podcast called Saturday School with Brian Hu. Check that out. She's incredibly wise and insightful and very, I don't know, just like she's very elegant with the way that she describes uh, works of art, especially in film. So go check that out. It's a great listen. And uh, yeah, I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And if you'd like to check out other Asian American podcasters, feel free to check that out. If you would like to support me in other ways besides Patreon, you can definitely go to my website, first of all, pod.com and find links to donation links or Amazon wishlist, all that stuff. I am very grateful. Thank you very much for your generosity. And uh I would love if you would follow along on the journey. Again, go to my Instagram at First of All Pod. Feel free to share that uh, if you enjoyed this episode and tag me. I would love to see and know if you enjoyed it. And uh, you can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else that you find podcasts. And if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would love that. It does help my channel, and I appreciate the support. Um, yeah, so thank you to Uzuhan for use of his song, Uzu Trap for the intro. And as I mentioned before, we are closing out this week with an incredible song uh, by Priska, who I love to the high heavens, and her amazing husband, Abe, who is, goes by Averbeats. New discoveries all the time. You learn something every day. And uh, I just have to say, like, Abe and Priska are one of my favorite couples on earth. They are just so beautiful. And they created this beautiful cover of a song I love called If the World Was Ending. It felt very appropriate and terms of vibe in terms of message and in terms of what it means to have Priska and Abe sing together so I hope that you enjoy their cover take care of yourselves stay healthy be good to you I love you I'll talk to you soon bye
happened, but it really got me thinking. The night we went drinking, stumbled in the house and didn't make it past the kitchen. It's been a year now. Think I figured out how how to think about you without it ripping my heart out. I know you know. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know, and that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 